Today, I'm personally very delighted that we have with us our district superintendent for the Church of the Nazarene, Canada Central District. That's a long way of putting it. But our good friend, our good brother, Steve Otley and his wife, Pat. We're so honored. We're always honored. When I, do you know he has the responsibility of over 50 churches in Ontario? And uh, as he cycles through, he's praying for each one of us. I know that because we talk and he tells me what he's praying and when he's praying it and all that. Uh, it's at critical times usually that things are going on. But uh, his heart, he is a, truly a father in how he conducts himself with the rest of the district. And Pat, I know you stand beside him and you encourage him on. Uh, your kids, God is doing amazing things with them. They're not kids anymore. They're adults. They're uh, serving in different capacities. We're honored to have you with us. So why don't you come up here? We'd love to pray for you. And just uh, don't be looking at the clock so much, but do what you need to do and release what the Lord has carrying, uh, put on you that you're carrying. Father, we thank you for our superintendent. We thank you, Lord, for his watchful eyes over us the way that you have prepared him through his journey from childhood, him and Pat, the way that you have knit them together as a family, and the way that you have placed him, Lord, in servant leadership in this district. Lord, his heart expresses you. His love for you is visible in his interactions with everyone he's in touch with. So, Lord, we give him the stage today. We give him freedom uh, to speak to us as a person who is not only in authority, but a father in our midst. So bless him, Lord, as he ministers to us. Bless us as we hear. And may you be blessed in all of what's going on. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Brother Haney. Well, good, good morning. Well, I guess it's good afternoon, church. It is, uh, it is so good to be here. Wow. Man. <laughs> That was incredible. That was incredible. Thank you so much. And uh, Aaron and the worship team, I tell you what, Pat, you and I have been in the presence of God this morning. And uh, we're so grateful to be here with you. Um, it's, been, it's been a long time. It's been way too long that I've been with you in person before the pandemic uh, was the last time that uh, I was with you, uh, we, we, uh, we joined you during the pandemic online for one of our services, one of your services, but uh, it, it's been way too long since I've been here in, in person. Um, so long that uh, when we were getting ready this morning, I was, I was telling your pastor when we were getting ready this morning, Pat said to me, Steve, what? There's 57 churches that we visit throughout Ontario, and so we're, we're you know we're trying to figure out how, how does each church dress, you know is it formal is it casual so Pat goes what I said I think it's a mix I I think I think Haney wears a jacket so I'll wear a jacket then I show up and he doesn't have a jacket so so I said to them I said downstairs I said I think I'm going to take it off. My wife said, leave it on. And I knew what that meant because it's covering up a multitude of sins. <laughs> and, and my brother said to me, no, it's grace. So this is my cloak of grace this morning. But uh, it's good, good to be with you. And um, Pastor Haney and, and Silva, 
it's so good to uh, to worship with you, to fellowship with you. I, I'm looking forward to a time of fellowship after the service. Um, I just so appreciate your pastor's spirit. Um, just a godly, godly couple. And uh, I, I was reflecting that uh, coming up on 17 years uh, as the pastor of the Arminian Emmanuel part of the relationship here, and uh, that's that's quite the thing. And so I think we need to give them a hand, no? Yeah? I, I'm, so, I'm so thankful for the partnership that we see in the ministry here um, at, at the church where multiple congregations come together to worship the Lord. We better get used to that, right? Because that's the way it's going to be in heaven. Uh, for eternity, we're going to be together. So I'm so, I'm so grateful. Uh, thanks to you, church family, for your, um, your generosity in giving to others through the district tithe. That's how, we, um, that's how we do the things we do across the district to provide resources for our pastors and training events for leaders across the district. So I just want to thank you. And, and I commend you. I was looking on your website at the things you're doing to help refugee families. And, and I just want to commend you for always being generous and giving to others. Just, just uh, before I get into the meat of the message here, just so you know that across the district, there are a number of churches that are assisting refugee families. Uh, our Rosewood Church is, um, is hosting, they're uh, sponsoring a Ukrainian family that of five that uh, came back in the fall. And so uh, they're being taken care of by Rosewood Church. There's uh, a family, an Afghan family of 12, I believe, that's coming to our Windsor Church, um, hopefully this spring. And then there were, uh, there was a f uh, four different families of 22 people that we're trying to assist from, uh, from Afghanistan. And uh, they were sponsored by the government, but we're trying to get them uh, things for their homes. They're finally moving out of the hotels near the airport into apartments. And so if anyone has beds and uh, those kinds of things, those are the things that they need uh, right now. But anyway, uh, thank you and I commend you for all that you're doing in giving to others. Well, um, today is Palm Sunday, as we, uh, as we just uh, heard, and um, as we enter into the final week of the Lenten season, um, this is the week that we, that we look forward to. It's a highlight in the Christian calendar, and, uh, and uh, the Lenten season is, is the, on the Christian calendar year. Uh, is leading up to Good Friday, and uh, I am I, I'm so I'm so thankful for these seasons on the Christian calendar that uh, whether it's Lent or or whether it is um, uh, the Christmas season or Epiphany, it it, it helps us to stay in tune uh, to what God is doing in His church and to center our hearts and our minds on uh, on what He is doing. And we all love Easter, right? Because that's when we celebrate the resurrected Savior. But there in, for resurrection to take place, 
there needs to be a death, right? And so um, Lent is a time where we, where we journey with Jesus towards the cross, where he suffered and he bled and he died for us. One of, one of, my, uh, one of my favorite verses in scripture, one of my life verses is, um, is found in Philippians chapter 3, very well known, you know it, uh, where it says, I want, Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of the resurrection. Uh, but we can't stop there because the verse continues to say, and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. And, and, and that's what Lent is all about, is, is journeying with Jesus and helping us to, um, to, to share in the suffering that he went through. Uh, Lent, by the way, is traditionally, uh, it, it, there's three pillars to it. The first is prayer. Prayer is a significant part of Lent. Fasting is another significant part of Lent. And the, the third, which I don't know how much we, we get, how much we know about this part of Lent, Lent um, but it is certainly one of the three pillars, and that is giving, giving to others, particular to those who are in need. And so this whole issue of giving and helping refugee families uh, the old phrase, uh, giving alms to the poor, was part of the whole Lenten season. And so um, j just a, a, a preface to where we're going to go this morning. With that in mind, uh, I want to bring your attention to the gospel reading from Mark this morning. But before we, we dive into it, let me just give us a little bit of a context as to, uh, as to what is happening uh, before I read the scripture. Earlier in the week, on Sunday, before we get to the particular story in the scripture, uh, on the Sunday, Palm Sunday, which is what we're reflecting on today, Jesus had entered into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Remember the scene, right? You've probably seen it in, in many movies depicting Jesus coming into Jerusalem, riding on the donkey. Uh, uh, throngs of people had greeted him with palm branches and taking off their cloaks and laying it in front of them and worshiping him. And, and Mark eleven nine 9 said they were shouting Hosanna as we were singing this morning. I was picturing that scene in my mind. Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. It, it, it was a scene like none other. Picture it in your mind, people spreading their cloaks and waving palm branches, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Quite the scene. And of course, the reason why the crowd was so hyped was because they believed that finally, finally our rescuer is here. Finally, the one who would save us, that's what Hosanna means, is save us. Finally, our rescuer is here. The, the Messiah is here. The one who would deliver us from being under the thumb of Rome. That's what was going on in their minds. 
and, 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 and a, a number of them would have heard about his, his healing and his, the miracles that he had performed. For three years, Jesus was, was moving about the land and he was performing miracles. So all these people had heard and maybe even had seen what he had done. They would have heard how he turned water into wine. They, they would have heard how he, uh, how he healed the lame man that was lowered from the roof. Remember that one? It, they, they would have heard how he raised Lazarus from the dead. They, they, they would have heard how he performed some of these miracles and, and may have even eaten the bread that he multiplied. Remember when he fed the 5,000? They would have heard or maybe even be a part of all of this. So this must be the Messiah that was promised. And so on Palm Sunday, it was Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This must be the one that we've been waiting for. But then Jesus, during that week, now we move from Palm Sunday and we, we begin into Holy Week, but Jesus begins making it clear that this wasn't his purpose. He wasn't here to overthrow Rome. And, and, and people around him were asking, what in the world, what is he talking about? I'm going to die? That, that's not the kind of Messiah we were thinking about. We were thinking about one who would lead us and raise us up to go after Rome and to, and, and to storm the, the Roman palace and to get ourselves from under Roman rule. But Jesus begins to talk about his death. He begins to talk about the destruction of the Jewish sacred place of worship, the temple. He goes into the temple and forcibly clears out the money changers. And now all these people are starting to think, that's not what we expected. This isn't the Messiah we were thinking about. Where is the warrior savior that we were expecting? Where is the one who would lead us to conquer Rome? This Jesus, he's talking about dying. And so many of them actually jumped ship. And one of his own disciples, Judas, you'll remember, betrayed him for money. And so in, in, in less than a week after his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, when the crowds were shouting his praise, less than a week, that same crowd was shouting what? Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. And we find one of his own, Judas, betraying Jesus with a kiss. And so the question that, that the Holy Spirit has been prompting in my heart that I ask us here is... What is your worship like? What, what, what's the shape of your worship? What, what is your worship like? It's sandwiched in between Palm Sunday, <clears throat> Hosanna, Hosanna, 
sandwiched in between that and Good Friday, crucify him, crucify him, we find this tender story in Mark chapter 14. So let me just, let me just read this story for you, one that you are very familiar with. Mark chapter 14, starting at verse 3. So this falls right in between Palm Sunday and Good Friday. Here's what it says. Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why? Why waste such expensive perfume, they ask. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you and you can help them whenever you want to but you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth. Whenever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. What a beautiful story. What, what, a, what a beautiful story of worship. And in John's account of this story, we find out that this is Mary. Mary, the one who Jesus had raised her brother Lazarus from the dead. And now Mary is at the feet of Jesus. And this isn't the only time we see Mary at the feet of Jesus, right? Mary is at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him. It's actually quite the contrast, isn't it? We, we have a great crowd praising Jesus on Palm Sunday, but later on they turned on him and juxtaposed that next to the picture of, of Mary in, in, in this very private setting in a home, breaking open this very expensive jar of perfume. Mark, Mark tells us the cost of the jar of perfume was very expensive. So if you just did your tax returns, right? So uh, on your T4 slip in box 14, the number that's in there, you know, your gross wage for the entire year, that's how much this perfume cost. I mean, it, it, it's a year's wage is what Mark tells us. And this is the same Mary that sat at Jesus' feet learning from him while her sister Martha was railing against her to Jesus saying, you need to tell her to come in the kitchen and help me. I think there's something about Mary's attentiveness and worship of Jesus that was very genuine. I think Mary got it. She, she got who Jesus was. She may not have understood at that point, she may not have understood everything about what 
was going to happen about his death and his resurrection and what all that meant. But one thing she knew is this was the son of God. And, and, and she got it and she was genuinely worshiping Jesus because she had a genuine encounter with him. You know, we sometimes try to find all kinds of gimmicks in the church to try to pull people in, to try to get people to come to church or try to get them to accept Jesus. So we do all kinds of things to try to do that. But here's the thing. When people really, really have an encounter with Jesus Christ, that is what changes their lives. When, when, when they encounter him in a worship service like this, that Pat and I was sitting here and I'm thinking, man, I am in the presence of Almighty King right now. That is what is going to help people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. When they get a glimpse of who he really is, make way for the King of Kings. Open up the gates. Enter into his presence. Mary, Mary experienced that. And she gave him, she gave him genuine worship. In the midst, remember, remember, remember the week that we're talking about here, right? Palm Sunday, the big crowds of people. Everyone's in, uh, in town for the Passover. and So it's chaos in Jerusalem. So in the midst of that chaos of a crowded Jerusalem and, and the religious leaders plotting to and scheming to kill Jesus and even in the context of where Mary find, finds herself where there are whispers about her in that room in the midst of all of that Mary gives Jesus genuine worship genuine worship Kind of reminds me about the chaos of the times that we find ourselves living in, right? Um, and so the, 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 the big question this morning is, is what is your worship like? It, is it like the kind of genuine worship that Mary gives to, gave to Jesus where even in the midst of the polarized society that we live in, we can choose to worship him. Is it the genuine kind of worship where even in the midst of a city that is struggling with violence on the street and in its transit system, that we can genuinely worship Jesus? Is it where in the midst of rising cost around us, where it seems like, there, that, that you have to take out a mortgage to go to Costco these days. <laughs> Even in the midst of inflation, can we still choose to genuinely worship Jesus? Maybe for some here today, it's in the midst of losing a loved one in the last few years, during COVID maybe. Or maybe it's a recent diagnosis of illness in you or one of your family members. 
But can we still choose to worship Jesus genuinely in the midst of that? Maybe it's in the midst of someone like Jesus' experience where his own disciple Judas betrayed him and other people bailed on him. Maybe you're going through that where one of your ardent supporters, someone you thought was on your side, bailed or even worse, betrayed you. Nothing hurts like a betrayal, eh? But in the midst of all of that, can we choose to genuinely worship Jesus? And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. When, when we genuinely worship Jesus for who he is, not just for what he can do, because that's what the, that's what the crowd on Palm Sunday was worshiping all, him all about, what he, what he can do for us. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna raise us up and lead us against Rome. But rather than that, worshiping him for who he is, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. But the thing is, when we do that, the byproduct of all of that is that God does incredible things when his people worship him. In the mid, the Bible tells us that God inhabits, he dwells in, he lives in the praises of his people. Amen? One of my new favorite songs, um, I, don't, I don't know how new it, I just heard it recently. Maybe Aaron, you've heard it uh, long before me, but it, it says, praise open prison doors. You heard that one? Praise open prison. Here's some of the, the words to it. It says, sing all day, sing all night. Our hearts lifted up, arms are open wide. God, we know that what you can do when we lift up our voices and worship you, praise opens prison doors. <laughs> I think it's a takeoff when Paul and Silas were praising him in the prison and in the midst of all of that, God opens up the door for them. God inhabits, he lives in, he dwells in the praise of his people. And so here it is. Here's, here's a question for us. If you were to stop this afternoon and examine your worship in the mirrors of the characters of Mark's gospel story, what mirror would reflect your kind of worship? Is your worship a reflection of the crowd on Palm Sunday? Kind of using God as a lucky charm, you know? God, do this for me and I'll worship you. Is your praise, is your worship one that is reflective of Judas? Are, are, you, are you trying to force God's hand to do what you want him to do rather than living within his plan and his timing? That's what Judas was trying to do, by the way. He, he was trying to force Jesus by, by selling him to the religious leaders so that Jesus would then react and would bring about this uprising against Rome. That's what Judas was trying to do. And when he saw that Jesus was going to be led 
like a lamb to the slaughter, he went out and committed suicide. Tragic. Or is your worship reflective of Mary? Genuine worship. True worship. And one way of identifying genuine worshipers is how they live their life outside of the space of corporate worship like this, right? What what, what do I do with my life on Monday? What do I do with my life outside of the gathering of believers among us? for, For the Palm Sunday crowd, they were all part of the system that turned the temple into uh, the temple of God, into a den of thieves, as Jesus described it, where they were praising on Sunday and then stealing from people on Monday. And, and, And so much so that Jesus, on the Monday after Palm Sunday, so tomorrow, Jesus goes into the temple And he drives out the money changers declaring, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. For Judas, he was making backroom deals to sell out Jesus. But Mary, Mary, her worship of Jesus was one that was consistent one that was true and genuine. We see her at the feet of Jesus as he teaches her and she's drinking in truth. We see her sacrificially anointing Jesus with this very expensive alabaster jar of perfume. Not caring about the onlookers that were whispering about her. What is your worship like? That's the question I've been asking myself. How am I worshiping God? How am I worshiping Jesus? Am I doing it because of what he can do for me? Or am I worshiping him genuinely, truly because of who he is? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The one who came to earth. He stepped out of time He stepped out of eternity into time and space and went to the cross on our behalf. And so as we prepare our hearts to celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning, I I want to invite us in just a few moments to just in a time of silence, say, Holy Spirit, Examine my heart. Examine my worship. Cleanse cleanse me from anything that would prevent me from being a genuine worshiper. I know silence is something that it's hard for us to do. We are in a we we're in a world where no, there's always something going on, you know. Um, I remember back when I was a teenager, graduated from high school, 
and I took one year off before going off to university and I worked in this radio station back home in Belize and uh, Radio Belize. <laughs> and one of the things that was pounded in our heads, no dead air. <laughs> no dead air. There was always, you always had to have a commercial ready to go if there was dead air. You click that on and, and sometimes in life, Silence is hard because we always want to have something going on. But just, just in this moment, let's just pause and allow the Holy Spirit to search us. And then I will pray a prayer of consecration. Search us, O oh God. Know our hearts. See if there's anything in us that's preventing us from worshiping you in spirit and in truth. Worshiping you for who you are. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Father, I thank you for this community of faith we come from different backgrounds. We come from different tribes. But we are one in Christ. Lord, I thank you that right here in this room, the high priestly prayer of Jesus is being answered, where he prayed that we would be one just as he and the Father are one. And even as we come around this one table, celebrating what Jesus did on the cross, I pray that the unity among us will be strengthened even more. We have had an incredible time of worship through music this morning. We have heard from your word. Now, Lord, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, I pray in the powerful name of Jesus 
that your Holy Spirit would continue to move among us. Even as we approach the table, I pray that if there are those who are broken this morning, whether here in the sanctuary or those joining online, Lord, I pray that even in the celebration of the Lord's Supper, that your healing power will flow to and through us. We worship you. We love you. We re-surrender our lives to you. And Lord, I pray for that one person or persons here this morning who, as of yet, they have not committed their life to you. I pray that even in these moments as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper that they would say yes to Jesus. That something that was sung or said or read today that your Holy Spirit would have moved in their hearts bringing them to a place where they cross the line of faith and say yes to Jesus. And as they say yes to you and join the family of God, they can then celebrate with us at the Lord's Supper, at the Lord's table. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray.